uh, in this uh, I Am series, looking at Jesus' claim to be the good shepherd in the gate. Mm. Lord, we pray as um, you've been with Lydia and her preparation, digging into scripture, feeding for herself. We pray now through her words and by your spirit, you would feed us now, challenge us, kind of reshape our worldview, uh, inform us and transform us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Okay, guys, so we're in um, John chapter 10, and we're going to go from verse 1 to 21. Um, last week, Tim spoke a little bit about the Feast of Tabernacles, and that's where we find John chapter 10. So Jesus essentially went up to Jerusalem for the Feast of the Tabernacles, which is a big sort of celebration in Jewish culture, um, remembering the 40 years in the desert. So thousands of um, pilgrims, have been um, heading into Jerusalem. It's a bit of a hotbed. Jesus is there from chapter seven through to chapter 10. If you kind of flick through the chapters, you'll see there's a lot of contention about him. People are like, who is this guy? He's teaching, he's healing. Um, some of the Pharisees are getting particularly irate because he's just healed on the Sabbath. We see that um, at the end of chapter nine. And it's into this context this kind of hotbed of activity, these big questions as to who Jesus is, that we find John chapter 10 and some further statements by him of who he is, I am, I am, statements of Jesus' divinity, remembering um, that moment in Exodus where Moses was there before the burning bush saying to the Lord, who are you, who are you? And God says to him, I am, I am. So, John chapter 10, verse 1. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way as a thief and a robber, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. 
So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep. They are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the deep truths of scripture. We thank you your word is living and active. And as we continue to delve into John's gospel this evening, would you speak to us? And would you change and shape us for the glory of your name and your kingdom? Amen. Amen. Um, obviously, guys, this passage is huge. Um, there's lots about salvation, about the church, about spiritual warfare. Um, but what we're going to do tonight is to focus on gates and shepherds. Shepherds and gates, gates and shepherds. These two I am sayings that Jesus brings together. Um, last summer, I was in Uganda with Laura Brimacoon and my dad, which was quite a random collection of people. We had a great time. Um, and we were teaching some theology, and Laura um, teached some sort of operational stuff. And as we got towards the end of um, our days there, um, Laura went off on a particular journey to visit her compassion child. And me and my dad uh, decided we were going to go up this mountain, Mount Elgon, which will appear on the screens now. Um, now, the thing about Mount Elgon is that Ordnance Survey haven't quite got there and it is a bit of a mysterious mountain. And we wanted to visit some um, projects and things that are on the side of this mountain. But we kind of realized we couldn't just sort of rock up and try and get up here ourselves because we'd probably never come back. Um, so we had to enlist the help of our friend Isaac, who is um, one of the pastors in Mbali, the area that we were. And it became really clear that actually he was a gate and he was a guide. Actually, Isaac was the one that we kind of followed, and we said, how on earth do we even get into this project? How do we get onto this mountain? And he was like, here's a gate. Here's a gate, as we went over what was essentially a kind of wooden slab over a sort of ravine situation. I was wearing flip-flops. I had not thought this through. Um, and so Isaac was a gate, and my hand held her as I almost sort of fell over many, many times. And he was also the guide as he guided us over this mountain. And that is a picture of what Jesus is saying that he is the gate, he's that way in, but he's also the guide. And he's the guide that keeps hold of us through the ups and downs of life, through the pitfalls, through the ravines, through the mountaintops where you're like, goodness me, this is glorious. And through the bits where you're like, gosh, this is quite hairy. So gates and guides. So if we turn first 
to consider. Jesus as the gate. That's verses 1 to 9, if you just peer at those in your Bible. And in many ways, this is absolutely a classic gospel text. Verse 9, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. What we know as Christians, that Jesus is the way, that the cross made that perfect way to the Father, and it's through Jesus that we enter salvation, all the fullness of life. But equally, there are other distinct truths here. Actually, look at verses three and four. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. He calls them by name. He calls them by name. And what Jesus is getting at here is that in being the gate, he knows your name. And that's a huge thing that he's speaking in the first century and speaking to us. Because throughout the Old Testament, God's name is holy. Again and again, scripture tells us the name of God is holy. That's why the Pharisees are so disgruntled as Jesus is saying, I am, I am, because Jesus is declaring that he is the name of God. And so when Jesus starts saying, I know your name, I know your name, he's beckoning each and every one of us into himself, into the name of God. He's bestowing this enormous dignity on us and saying, I know your name. My name is holy and you are welcomed in to that holy name. So the first challenge this evening, do you know that God knows your name? Do you know that God knows your name? And that is phenomenal. And if God knows your name, do you know his name? Do you know his voice? Actually, are you you listening for him? Do you know how he speaks to you? That's going to be so different each and every one of us. I had this couple that I used to work with um, ages ago in Manchester, associate vicar and his wife, Tom and Judy. And Tom, on the one hand, was this extraordinary Bible preacher, but he was like a thinker over a feeler. He'd been a science teacher before he got ordained. And God didn't particularly speak to him in the kind of classic, charismatic way, although he believed, does believe, in all of that stuff. But he just found that actually God spoke to him significantly through his head, in a way through logic. But on the other hand, his wife Judy was like the most gregarious sort of outgoing feelings type of a person. And the way that God spoke to her was often in times of worship, often through prophecy, always through the word of God. You know, um, God doesn't do anything extra biblical. But you've got these two people together in marriage who love the Lord. And God speaks to them really differently because he's made them as different people. So, do you know the Lord's voice and do you know how he's made you? And are you getting to know him? The glorious thing about the Christian adventure, the Christian journey, is that we've got this time on this earth 
to get to know ourselves and to get to know God and to get to know each other. And that's what the Lord wants to cultivate in you. As he knows your name, he challenges us to know his, to know his voice to chat with our friends about what that looks like. You know, as Jen was saying about her prayer triplet, actually there's a place where each of them can figure out what does the voice of God look like for me? How, how do I hear him? In the busyness of life in the city, where's our space where we know that we go and actually there's kind of a quietness and a stillness? Um, for me, it's either the sea or it's a mountaintop. Um, I just I need to be in nature and that's where I find my spirit just becomes still and I think, okay, Lord, I think I can hear you a little bit more clearly. Where's your quiet place? How's he made you in that? Where can you hear his voice? So, do you know that God knows your name? And do you know God's name? you know his voice and how he's made you that's the first challenge of the gate and the second challenge of the gate is that the gate is actually the cross and it's this anchor point in history and in opening that gate it can never be shut again if you've walked through that gate with Jesus that gate can never close I know that I'm really frequently in my Christian life, I find myself sort of saying things like, oh, God feels a bit distant right now. I feel like there's a barrier between me and God. And that is part of the tension that we live in right now, of the fallen world and all the stuff that we find in like Romans 8, where the spirit is groaning in us and creation's groaning. We're waiting for sort of future realities and the fulfillment of um, all that is to come and for Jesus to return at the right hand of the Father and new creation set all things right. All of that big theological stuff. But actually, at a really bottom level, the gate has been opened. And there isn't a barrier between us and God anymore. And sometimes, when we feel that distance, and when we feel that barrier, actually what God is calling us to do is to stand on the anchor of the gate of the cross. And to know that there is no barrier there is nowhere we can go from his presence, that he's ever with us. And in a culture which values feelings over kind of head stuff, that's a bit of a wrestle, a bit of a battle. But the Lord is saying to us by the power of his spirit, the gate is open. You are in if you know and love me and walk in repentance and walk in a relationship with me. And the gate cannot be closed there's complete security. It's the anchor. So God's voice, name stuff, anchor of the gate. And then once we're through the gate, once we're walking up the mountain with the Lord, what do we need to do? We need to keep moving. We need to keep moving. And um, there's a guy called David Pawson. He says this, we need to keep moving. To be a Christian is to be a pilgrim, to be one who moves. To be a Christian is to be a pilgrim, to be one who moves. Actually, we're called to be a people of journey, a people who walk with the Lord. So that's why Jesus here brings together the gate and the shepherd, because the gate is the way in and the shepherd is the guide. The shepherd is the one who journeys with you once you've gone through the gate. We're pilgrims. 
with those who live. So, verse 11 onwards, I am the good shepherd. Let's pause for a moment. What do you think of when you think of a shepherd? Do you think of this? This is the sort of thing I initially think of when I think of Jesus as a shepherd. But actually, when you dive into first century culture, shepherds were a bit more like this. Yes, Vin Diesel. Um, and shepherds were pretty, kind of like badass. Um, they were these sort of outlying people, and they were warriors, and they were against the elements. They were protecting their sheep. They were keeping them safe. And when Jesus is saying, I am the shepherd, I am the shepherd, he is saying, I am a warrior, not I'm this kind of meek and mild person with a lamb stroking it, as much as lambs are lovely. Um, the Christian story is a love story, but it's also an adventure with a warrior God. Vin Diesel is not God, though, just to clarify that. Um, however, think of the ultimate warrior person you can think of. I really love the Fast and the Furious, so that's why I ended up there. So, shepherds, the good shepherd. He's a warrior shepherd, and he fights for you. And so much of John 10 verse 11 through to 21, is Jesus picking up on Psalm 23, the fact that he's the warrior God. So, Psalm 23. And this is about the 10th century BC, and this is King David writing it. And King David has been a warrior shepherd in his life, and he will be king. At this point, he's besieged by Saul's armies and he's in hiding. And yet, he can say this about God, his warrior God, his warrior shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk, through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Warrior God, warrior God, always by our side. And so that's the first challenge of the shepherd. Do you know that God fights for you? Do you know that God fights for you? No matter what you think or feel. And when I think of this, um, I often think of the life of Simon Gillibard. Um, some of you might know him. Um, Simon is um, a missionary in Burundi. Um, he was a regular person with a regular London job about 20 years ago, and God radically called him to Burundi, this insane, war-torn, tiny country in Africa. And as you listen to him speak and you read what he has written, you see this reality in his life, that he is walking with the warrior God. And that means that sometimes extraordinary things happen. He has almost accounts of like angel armies coming to his side. You know, as he was held at gunpoint, this figure turned up and the gunman got scared and you know, ran away and things. But on the other hand, he has got accounts of great tragedy where it must feel to him that God didn't show up. But what he knows 
is that God is God. And he is always fighting for us and he never changes. And when we scale that down to our own lives, that is a constant truth. The journey of the Christian faith, the adventure of life. You, we, we're going to have some mountaintop moments where we pray some stuff and the Lord shows up in a way that we have just been longing for. And it's like, yes, warrior Jesus, you've done it again. And then there's going to be other points where we're like, I don't even know what that was. But God hasn't changed. The warrior God is still with us, guiding us along the right paths, walking with us in the valley of the shadow of death, walking with us on the mountaintops. And the answer to that has to do with the tension that we live in. We're waiting for things to come. We have a God who's active and alive now. We've got the anchor of the gate, the anchor of the cross. But what we need to know and what we need to stand on is that anchor of the gate and the anchor that we have a warrior God who fights for us. And you can feel that in the text. Verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And then verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He died for us. He died for us. There is no greater act of a warrior than to die for another. He fights for us. So he knows our name. The gate is an anchor. And he fights for us. And then finally, the challenge, of course, is one of allowing him to guide us. He's God. And he calls us by name. But he never imposes. He always invites. And we get the dignity of choosing in. Verse 4. He goes ahead of you. He goes ahead of you. Verses 14 to 18. He shows you the Father. And perhaps in a way, one of the hardest things for us right now is to allow him to guide us. When we live in a culture where everything around us is saying, like, stay in control, make your own decisions, go your own way. Um, me and Tim laugh, right? Every time we do a funeral, well, not every time, probably 80% of the time that we do a funeral, what is played at the end is Frank Sinatra, I did it my way, again and again, I did it my way. And actually you step back and you think, oh no, if everybody did it their way, we'd be in more of a pickle than we are right now. Actually, we need to do it his way because he knows us and he loves us. It's all the Isaiah stuff where Isaiah declares that, you know, he is a potter and we're the clay. It's the stuff that we find in Job where God just says to Job, you know, who were you? Who were you? Where were you when I made the mountains? I am the creator of the world. But the pervading narrative around us, the culture that we find ourselves in now, the voices that we hear will say, hold, hold tight, do it your way. 
And then we stare at gospel culture, we stare at scripture, and it just tells us, give ourselves freely to God, the one who knows and loves us, the creator of all things. Let him be the good shepherd, the warrior shepherd, and you can trust him. You can trust him, and he will lead you into those paths of life. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. John 10. Do you know his voice? Do you know the gate is always open? It's an anchor point. Do you know that he fights for you? And are you letting him guide you? Shall we stand?